Hi, Gateway Church Dartford here. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. We trust that what you hear will be a blessing and an encouragement to your journey. Thanks, Chris. Um, where's Jesse? Is he gone again? Oh, there you are. That was great. Makes me. Makes me want to get down. But I'd be ridiculous doing it, so I'm not going to try. But hey, hey, listen, Father, I just, I just pray for him, and I, I pray, oh God, for a divine opening. Lord, in secular music, there is so much selfishness and ego and unrighteousness. And I pray, oh God, for a divine opportunity where that young man can bring words of righteousness and truth and hope and grace and love into a world that listens so much to the wrong stuff. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> That's great. So it is uh, an honor to be invited to preach at the uh, relaunch of Gateway Church. And uh, interestingly, the, the meaning of the word relaunch um, doesn't just uh, mean to start something again, but um, even to start something in a different form. And I think that's, that's a challenge in um, our modern day. Anyway, I'm going to launch from Acts chapter 10 and uh, John 17, just a couple of scriptures. Uh, if you want to turn on your Bibles, you can do and follow it with me. And um, in Acts 10:38, Peter explains this. He said, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth um, but anointed him with what? Um, he didn't anoint him with holy water, and he didn't anoint him with oil of ule. The Bible says he anointed him with the Holy Spirit yeah. and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And then Jesus says something remarkable in uh, John 17. Verse 18, he says, As you sent me into the world, I also send them into the world. Amen. Are you listening, Jesse? That's you, buddy. And I trust that God will just bless what you do. Now, I wondered this morning whether I should try and impress you with my knowledge of Greek and Hebrew of the word power. Um, so in the Greek, the word is dunamis, and in the Hebrew, it's uh, coach, K-O-A-C-H. But, you know, I have so much difficulty speaking English, I thought, I'll just stick with what I know. Anyway, to begin with, here's a story. There was a, a man and his wife and their mother, his mother-in-law who went to the Holy Land for a holiday. And while they were there, the mother-in-law died. And the undertaker said to the guy, um, now look, you've got two choices. You can ship her back to the States 
uh, for $1,500, or you can have a buried here in the Holy Land for $500. And uh, the guy thought about it, and he said, you know, I'm going to ship her back to America. And the undertaker said, well, I don't understand. It's going to cost you $1,500 to ship her back to America when you could bury her in the wonderful Holy Land for $500. And he said, well, here's the thing. He said, 2,000 years ago, somebody died and was buried in a tomb. <laughs> and three days later, he rose from the dead. <laughs> I just can't take the chance. <laughs> you know, we are a resurrected people. Yeah, come on. Ephesians 2 6 says this it says, raised up into heavenly places. Now, understanding this, is the beginning of understanding how God work, God's work is accomplished. And it is a release of resurrection anointing. Whether we sing, whether we preach, whether we talk, whatever we do, if we're doing it in the kingdom, it needs to be touched with the resurrection anointing of God. Otherwise, it's just so much more noise. You see, the crucifixion dealt with what we've done. The resurrection ignites what we will be. Yeah. And what is that thing that we are called to be? John 1.12 tells us. It says this, To many has received him, to them gave he power to become what, just nice people? Just regular attenders at a Sunday event? No, the Bible says he gave us power to become the sons of God. Now, I believe that. Jesus believes that. But many believers have trouble with that. I know because I've been in ministry for over 30 years, and I've met many people who struggle with realizing that they are sons of God, they can be anointed to do the works of God, they can be anointed to speak the words of God, or sing the words of God. Mind you, you speak, don't you? You're a rapper, man. I want to get down. You see, I, I met so many Christians and counseled them over the years, and I found that some, some are not aware that they, they are sons. Some are not aware that they should be sons. And I should tell you why. Because isn't that the job of the pastor? It's, a, it's an issue. It's a real issue. Now, Chris and I, as he said, have known each other for many years. And uh, we've remained friends. And I know God's will and purpose is a real priority and life mission for him. 
But today isn't about relaunching Chris Virasomi. It's about relaunching Gateway Church. And let me just say this, and I try to say it in the kindest way possible. If you're going to just depend on Chris and Bev to do this, you will not succeed. God did not call individuals on their own to fulfill the kingdom of God. He called the church. That's why he created it. You and me. In whatever way God gifts us to do it. I was at church recently, and... um, Both the husband and the wife who were leading the church apologized at least four times that morning that so many people were away on holiday. There were a number of visitors in the building, including myself, and they felt the need to apologize at least four times that people were away on holiday. And I was sitting there and thinking, so what? Is God in the house? Yes. Is God in the house? Amen. Who cares who's not here? I'm only interested who is here. Why are we programmed? And you'll say, Jeff, I don't feel that way. But listen, I've been a Christian a long, long time. And I know how it happens. And it's sublimable. Why do we think, why are we programmed to think that more is better? Thinking that puts us back on our heels needs to be challenged. That kind of thinking needs to be challenged. We need to ask ourselves, where does that kind of thinking come from? Because I want to stand here in the name of Jesus, whether you agree with me or not, and say, it does not come from heaven. God isn't bothered about those things. But we are. And I know it's an issue, and I know it's a challenge. A story to highlight one or two of these points is found in a a true story in the Bible, in John chapter 11. And it's about a resurrection. And you know who I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about Lazarus. And a resurrection took place. Here's point one, very obvious, but very important. You need to listen up now, church. It's a very, very important point. You can't have a resurrection without a death. You can't be resurrected unless you're dead. Oh, I don't understand what you're talking about, Jeff. Well, hang on. You see, we know the story. Jesus came to the tomb. Everybody was crying. Lazarus had died. Jesus, where were you? Why weren't you here? And we can get caught up in all that. And then Jesus prays, and he looks at the Father, and then he says, Lazarus, come forth. And he calls out to the dead. He calls Lazarus out from a place of death. There cannot be a resurrection unless somebody is dead. He calls him out from a lifeless tomb, a place of death. Do you know, those of you who are born again this morning, 
that you were once dead. D do you know that? Now, you're thinking, oh, I don't really... What is he talking about? Well, I'm quoting scripture. It says in Ephesians 2, you, he has made alive or quickened. Who were what? Dead in trespasses and sins. Now, you might think, oh yeah, that was just my former life. But now I've got born again. God's made me a better person. No, we're missing the point. We were dead. There's no room for the dead in the living. We need to be resurrected. And one of the points I'd like to make is often we bring in that which was dead and try to introduce it into our Christian life and it can't produce life. Only resurrection can produce life. Only resurrection can produce joy. Only resurrection can produce peace. When we try to use what was dead to produce those things, no wonder that we fail. You were once dead. Now, one of the life-changing revelations I had was that when I realized I was dead. And now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh dear, Pastor Chris, we were worried about Jeff before, but now we're really concerned he thinks he's dead. But all I am is quoting scripture. The New Testament is full of these words, death and dead. I am crucified with Christ. It talks about things like that. It means that like Lazarus, we were cut off from real life. And those of us who are born again understand that. Yeah, but I was living, I was reading. Yes, but we were cut off from real life. Eternal life. The uncreated, resurrected life of God. And when Jesus called Lazarus from the tomb, he called out and gave him uncreated, resurrected life that gave him life. He came out of the tomb. He was dead. But then he came alive. And Jesus is calling us in exactly the same way. Point number two. It's no good <clears throat> bringing anything out of that tomb with you. Over the centuries... Religious people have brought too much out of the tomb into church and tried to make it holy, and it doesn't work. We are not meant to bring anything out of the tomb. When Lazarus came out, he was bringing something with him. What was he wearing? He was wearing grave clothes. He brought them out with him. Now, Jesus didn't say to him, no, this is ridiculous. We need to get these washed and cleaned. We can't send him to the synagogue like that. No, Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Do you see the point there? Get rid of these things. They have no place in the kingdom of God. Two things about the environment of death where we used to live. Death cannot contain life. Death cannot produce life. And I wonder if we can handle this. Nothing of the old creation 
ideas, preferences, thinking, ambitions, music, culture will work in the new creation. <coughs> Therefore, we need to discard those old clothes, those dead works, that dead culture. It may entertain me, but it won't change me. Now, I like music. I, I don't know as I can into what Jess is into, but I like music. I can get into it, but you know, I'm, I'm just a little older these days and I like different types of music. But that kind of music not necessarily work in church. The only music that works in church and words that work in church are those that are inspired by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's what gives life. I can't take a, a, a song by the Beatles or the Rolling Stones or, or any of those bands or Coldplay or Britney Spears or whatever and put Christian lyrics to it and say that this is a Christian song. It doesn't work that way. Is God creative or not? Can God give us lyrics that bring life? That get into their soul and mind because they've been born in heaven. We haven't dragged them out of the tomb and tried to make them look religious. Kingdom life the Christian life, serving God, if we're going to be a church that makes a difference, if we're going to be a church that is uh, moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, if it's a church that's going to change our societies or change our environment or impact the place where we live in, we need to understand that it's not an improved version of what we were. It's not even a redesign of what we were. It's not even a relaunch of the original but it is a releasing of a new creation. A releasing of a new creation through vessels that are surrendered to the things of God. Point number three. And this is an incredibly important point. Point number three is this. Lazarus didn't go back. Now, there are three steps I'd like to highlight that would help us to step into what I feel God is saying to us this morning. Three simple words. Revelation, belief, surrender. And there is a story in the Bible which highlights these three words, I think. And it, this story is a parable. And it's the story of the prodigal son, which is found in Luke 15, which many of us are familiar with. And we know the story where the younger son comes to the father and says, Father, I want to leave. Uh, you say I've got an inheritance, but I don't want to wait until you die. I'd like it now. And I'd like to go and do what I think I'd like to do because I'm old enough and I want to do my thing. And I'd like you to give me my inheritance now. And the father says, all right, son, I will. I don't think it's the best idea. It's not something I'd like you to do. But if that's what you want to do, you can. 
And we know the story how the young son went off into a far country and he lost all his money and the friends he thought were friends he found out were not his friends after all. They didn't support him when he got down and he found himself in a mess and he found himself in difficulty and he found himself in darkness. And eventually... He realized he was depending on something that was failing before he realized he was wrong. He realized he was depending on something that was failing before he realized he was wrong. Now, let me just give you a bit of honesty. As a minister in the church for many, many years, it took me an awful long time because I'm stubborn to realize that some of the things I was doing wasn't working anymore. But I kept on doing them because it seemed as though that was what was expected. That's what we should do. But haven't we always done church this way? Haven't we always begun this way? Haven't we always finished this way? Haven't we always done that in the middle? Haven't we always done the offering in that way? Haven't we always broken bread at certain times? Haven't, isn't this how we've always done it? Yes, but we should be brave enough to ask the question is it working now all those things are helpful when we gather together but it took me an awful long time to come to the conclusion that some of the things that I thought were right were not working anymore it's difficult to give them up For example, have you ever tried to hang on to something that is a problem out of sympathy or sentiment because somebody said you should? People can be terrible, can't they? You, sh oh, you shouldn't let that go. You should carry on with that. Um, I used to struggle with an abscess in my mouth. And I had it for an awful long time. And I went to the dentist and I said, look, I've got a problem here. He says, oh yeah, it's an abscess, I'll deal with it. And they, they lanced it, got rid of it. And a couple of days later, it had come back. So I went back to the dentist and uh, I said, look, I, I've got a real problem here. Why, do, why don't you just yank the tooth out? There's a cavity there. Oh, no, 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 no. We like to keep the tooth. Do they say that to you, dentists, these days? You've got to hang on to them. We don't like taking out good teeth. And I said, well, I, I appreciate what you say, but this pain is, is not good. And I don't mind losing the tooth to get rid of the pain. And uh, he says, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, let me do this. And I gave in because he was the professional. He's the dentist. And he lanced it again. And two days later, to come back. And I went back and sat in the chair. I says, now, look, this is the third, is it the third or fourth time I've been here. He says, no, no, no. We don't want to get... get Get rid of the tooth. We want to lance. I said, now listen, kiddo. <laughs> Don't lance the thing. Yank the tooth out. Oh, well, if you'd asked me, I would. <laughs> the, the, the situation is, once that tooth was out, the problem disappeared. It, the abscess never came back. Glory to God. I've got a hole in my gum, but who cares? Who cares? I'm pain free. Another example, and I could get in a lot of trouble for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. So, when, when my wife was in labour with our first child, 
Um, she'd been in labour for a number of hours. And uh, we were in the um, maternity room, and we'd, we'd got a midwife who was on a mission. Babies are born naturally. And we're going to go as long as we have to to make sure this baby's baby baby is born naturally. Now, after many, many hours in there, you know, I was really struggling with this. I mean, that gas and air, it really gets to you, doesn't it? And she said to me, actually, Mr. Cooper, that's supposed to be for your wife. Oh. <laughs> This is what happened, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing now. Okay, I can't go into too much detail because I'm already in enough trouble for telling this story. But all these hours, and <laughs> Lily, my wife, said, <laughs> and, you know, she was really having difficulty. Those who've had babies, you know what it's like? It's really difficult, isn't it? I went through a lot of pain in that maternity ward, you know. <laughs> and um, so, I don't know, 12 hours, something like that. And she said... How, how long is this going to take? And she says, dear, it will take as long as it takes. We'll let nature take its course and grab it. Lily grabbed her by the scruff and there's just, get this out of me! Anyway, the baby was born within 10 minutes. So here's this young man and he's wallowing in pig swill and he's eating pig's food and he has a revelation and the revelation is this isn't working and it took him an awful long time to get there and I pray for all of us that we don't have to go through similar journeys to find out that what we are doing is no longer working and he came to the revelation that this isn't working and then after this revelation, he believed something. So the first word was revelation. The second word is believed. And he believed something. He considered and he thought to himself, if I go back to my father, I'm sure the father will have me back. He may not have me back as a son. He may take me on as a servant, but he'll have me back. So then his feet began to do what his heart began to believe. So first he had a revelation, this isn't working. Then he began to believe. And this is an important thing about faith, brothers and sisters. It's this, faith without works is dead. So he did something about what he now believed. If I go back to my father, my father would still love me. Or he would at least take me on as a servant. But then something else. To do that... He gave up. He surrendered. He gave up. He surrendered. He gave up those grave clothes. He gave up that tomb. He came out of death. He was on the road of resurrection life. He gave it up. He turned away. He had brought him to rock bottom. But now he was ready. I surrender. And he returned to his father. And then his father, as we know, did something totally unexpected to him. And this is the glory 
of our faith. This is the glory of the Father's love who loves us despite what we've done. Come on. Despite what we've said. Despite who we've hurt. Despite what we've caused. God is love and God still loves us. And he came to the Father and the Father was waiting for him. And the Father was delighted to see him. And he was about to um, say to the Father what he'd practiced while he was sitting in the pig's will. Father, I've done you wrong. Father, I've, I've sinned against you and against heaven. Please take me. And he never actually got the whole sentence out. The Father said, I'm so happy that you're home. And he put a a robe around his shoulders and he put a ring on his finger. And you know what he said to him, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, all those years I wanted to do this, but you were so consumed with your own schemes and your own ambitions, I couldn't do it. But now you've come to me with empty hands. Now I can fill them. It's taken a long time, but I'm glad that you've come back. Now, I don't know whether we have this issue, but there was an older son who was also in the household and he was really teed off. He'd been working for his father all these years. And he didn't think the younger son deserved any sympathy at all, especially not a robe or a ring. And he went on to say that they had a party and they killed the fatted calf. And it's interesting what the father says to him. We need to hear this. And I'll quote from the scripture. It says, son, you've always been with me. And all that I have is yours. But it was right that we should be glad and make merry. Because your brother was dead. There's that word again. Your brother was dead, but is now alive again. He was lost and is found. He said to his older son, look, everything I've had, you've always been, it's always been yours, but I couldn't give it you because you were so focused on performance on trying to do the right thing, on trying to impress me, on trying to earn what I was prepared to give you as a gift. But your younger son has discovered something that you need to find out at all as well. He was dead and he had to discover that he was dead. He had to discover that what he was basing his confidence on and committing his life to would not work. And it took a long time, but he's come back. He was dead, but now he's alive. And now I can give him things. Now I can bless him with things. And the story is this, Christian. The story is this, church. And it's something I believe in. It's something I've learned. And it's something I want to do for the rest of my life. It's not my abilities. It's not my giftings that will make a difference. It is the anointing, resurrected power of God working through me just a vessel. It's not saying, God, I've got this idea, will you bless it? It's a matter of saying, God has given me the idea, I know he's going to bless it. 
It's coming out of the tomb. I can't bring grave clothes with me. I can't bring the world into the church. I can't turn it into a concert. Now, let's have concerts. Let's have singing. Let's have dancing. Let's have rap, Jesse. I love it, mate. I want to get down. I really do. And if I'd have been younger, I would. But I, I dance like my dad. Let's do those things, but not because it, we're trying to impress people. Like the two pastors I met who apologized four times because the world, people were away on holiday. So what? If God is in the house, who else do we need? We must stop or prevent bringing these things into the church. Let God create in us a clean heart. Let the mind of Christ be within us. I, I, I believe in creativity. There was a phrase that was going around uh, five or six years ago. I don't know if it still does. Ten years ago, maybe. And it came out of um, the success that certain um, denomination was having by being really, really good at what they did uh, with music and video and all that kind of thing. And the phrase was... We all to all, all we we need to adopt a spirit of excellence. I heard that. Maybe you've preached on it. Maybe somebody said to you, "Oh, we enjoy a spirit of excellence." Can I tell you something? I I can play the guitar and I can sing, but I ain't excellent. <laughs> but I know this. When the anointing's on me, I don't need to be, because he is. Now, should we rehearse? Yeah. Should we practice? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to sing, at least sing in tune. Come on. If you're going to play, at least play the right chords. <laughs> Did you play the wrong chord this morning? I, I didn't notice, you see. The rainbow word for me. Um, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. What that was a revelation, no idea. Uh, what a plonker. Been there, done it. Sometimes I've just tried too hard. Too hard, too hard to impress people as a pastor. Told too many jokes. Try to be clever. <coughs> Don't let's bring. A pastor friend said to me, I was talking to him about preaching, and as pastors, as leaders, you know, we, we preach. We want to do our best at it. We want to be good at it. So, like most people, I try to give time to my craft, time to my gift. And I was talking to one guy once, and I was saying, well, what, what do you use? You know, how do you... You know, train yourself to preach. He says, well, I listen to Bobby Ball and I listen to Eric Morecambe and I listen to Tommy Cooper and... Uh, <laughs> who do you listen to? And basically he was saying, well, they are funny people and if I can make people laugh like they, they do, maybe I'll be as successful as they are. You know, I don't ever remember Jesus telling a joke. Now, maybe he did. I think he was a perfect human being and must have had a lot of fun in church. 
I think, Jesse, if he'd have been here this morning, he'd have been getting down. And the angels would have been with him. But you hear what I'm saying, don't you? We can't bring these dead grave clothes out of the tomb and hang on to them and try to form them into something that needs to be left in the tomb. Whatever's birthed in the church, let it first be birthed in heaven. Amen? In the name of Jesus. Let's all stand and we'll pray together. So, Father, thank you that we've had the opportunity of coming together today and it's been the relaunch of Gateway Church. And um, I know the heart of Bev and Chris and uh, I've met some of the congregation and they love you and they want to do the things of God. Um, but I pray for them, oh God, as they journey forward that you will help them in everything they do, Lord, in everything they try to do, that they'll have, always have their ears and hearts attuned to the Holy Spirit because it's not by might, it's not by power, but it is by my spirit, saith the Lord. And uh, Lord, we need to bring our gifts, yes. We need to bring our offering, yes. But we need to lay it at the cross every time we come and say, God, do you want to bless this? Or have you got something else that you want to stir up in me? I pray, oh God, that you'll help everyone with that revelation in Jesus' name. Just sit down, I'll just share one last story and then I think we're going to pray for Chris. There was a good friend of mine, and you'll relate to this, uh, those of you who are musicians and you want to be a worship leader, now listen carefully. There was a guy I knew who was desperate to become a worship leader. Now I wasn't a very good worship leader, but I just did the best I could and I think God helped me occasionally to bless some people. But this guy wanted to be a worship leader and the problem was there was two problems. Number one, he couldn't sing. No, seriously, it's not, listen, it's not just about making a joyful noise. Can I get an amen on that? It isn't. You can make a joyful noise out there, but don't make a joyful noise up here. It's, it just doesn't work. Secondly, he didn't know how to do it. He didn't know how to lead worship. And he pestered me and pestered me. I was leading the church at the time. And he said, look, I just want a chance. I said, okay, I'll give you a chance. I'll give you a go. And he went up and he, it was absolutely awful. And the, the problem for pastors, Chris, you'll know this, is then you've got to tell him that he <laughs> wasn't very good. And so in the, the nicest way possible, I went to him and said, look, what you brought isn't what is God's going to bless. You, you brought a lot of chords and a lot of noise and a lot of shouting, but you've seen that on MTV. It doesn't work in church. Sadly, as, as much as I tried to do it in love, it failed. And the guy left the church and um, I think he left his wife for a while and he started singing in the local pub. And interestingly, he began to enjoy singing in the, in the local pub. And I met him many years later. I said, are you still singing? He says, yeah, I sing in the local pub. And he'd found his dream, but he wasn't serving God. Yet, my wife will tell you, he was absolutely brilliant as a kid's worker. But he wanted to be a worship leader. You see, kid's work goes on behind the scenes. Worship leading goes on up here. There was something going on there which he just couldn't deal with. Anyway, that's another story. Maybe it'll help somebody. Maybe it won't. Amen. So, Chris, 